Welcome back to Hearsay from Law Week, Colorado. I'm Julia Carty. People in Colorado know who George Brockler is because he frequently talks in the news about his high-profile cases and testifies at the Capitol. In the state's rural areas, district attorneys tend to have a different kind of connection to their constituents. They shop at the same grocery stores and go to the same churches, and their kids might go to school together. In this episode of Hearsay's Elected Justice series, we highlight the 16th Judicial District as an example of how characteristics of rural districts affect a DA's connections to their community and who runs for the office. The 16th District covers Bent, Crowley, and Otero counties. Both of this year's candidates work for the current DA, and the Democratic candidate was the district attorney eight years ago. Tom Raines, executive director of the Colorado District Attorney's Council, said he believes a DA having personal connections with their constituents is beneficial for the community because it helps people better understand what their DA does. He said a lot of factors go into a decision to run for district attorney, like a willingness to take a pay cut and focus only on criminal law. Add those personal decisions to a rural area's already small pool of attorneys, and it limits the number of people available to run for DA. The 16th District's current DA, Jim Bullock, is on a radio program called Local Legal Conversation a few times a month. He said criminal law topics garner a lot of attention, but so do conversations about other things such as civil rights. He said he often has people come up to him in the local Walmart to talk to him and tell him they heard him on the most recent radio show. Criminal law generates a lot of public interest, uh, and we have a lot of high 
high profile cases locally. I, I think for even a small jurisdiction like ours, I have four pending first degree murder cases. And so, you know, there's a chance that most everyone in the community has some kind of connection, whether they know someone that was involved or have heard about it. And so it generates a lot of interest. But, you know, our topics on the radio program are pretty wide ranging. The host of the show is a real good friend of mine, and she's she knows I'm always willing to come on and talk. You know, we've we've been doing this now for several years. And some of, you know, we ran a whole series on the um, the uh, Bill of Rights. And we took, you know, each amendment and we discussed and we broke it down. And we, you know, we did that kind of as an educational uh, concept where we could t hopefully, you know, inform people what freedom of religion really meant, what freedom of the press consisted of. And, you know, our hope was to help people understand why the law can do some things and why the law can't do some things. One of the uh, issues that has gotten a lot of um, interest over the years, um, you know, I don't know if you're aware, but we had a officer involved shooting in 2015. Um, our district, uh, my prosecution team, uh, and I was the lead counsel, we were the first prosecutors in the United States in 50 years to convict a non-duty police officer for murder. Um, and, you know, small town, Colorado, um, you know, when, when it happened, uh, there was some national attention that came to it. But because of our remote location, they quickly dropped it because they didn't want to go through the cost and expenses of, of covering the trial. But locally, uh, we've gotten a lot of a uh, lot of interest. And so that's always been a, a topic. And then with the most recent um, issues uh, with the well, like Jacob Blake, the, the Kenosha um, sh shooting, um, we're always, th those issues tend to resurface. The Democratic candidate in this year's election, Rodney Fuhraker, previously served two terms as the 16th District DA and left office in 2013. He's currently a deputy in the office. His Republican opponent, William Culver, is the assistant DA. But Culver said he doesn't think their difference of political party speaks to significant philosophical divides between them about how they would each run the office. In a small jurisdiction, I don't think there's a big ideological shift. You know, there's not outside money coming in to help candidates. Both candidates are self-funding their campaigns. As of September 21st, Fuhraker has spent just under $1,500. Culver has spent about $4,700. This is not an election where you'll see a sharp ideological divide. I happen to be the Republican candidate, but I would imagine that Mr. Foraker and I have similar views on law enforcement about what should be done. Clearly, that's not true in the national context. It's not true in, I'm going to use an example, Denver and Boulder. You know, there would be sharp ideological differences, I think from the parties in Denver and Boulder. I don't think that's necessarily true here. I think local elections are about, you know, the trust of your community because we're a small community. We have several towns in our communities. Uh, we live here and we've developed trust with law enforcement, with the citizens of the community. Both candidates did discuss similar ideologies for setting the direction of the DA's office. They talked about the importance of the relationships the office has with law enforcement. And they both said they want to continue the district's adult and juvenile diversion programs, 
which both started during Jim Bullock's tenure. Rodney Furicker says he believes it's important for the DA's office to work closely with law enforcement to train them on handling different types of criminal situations. If re-elected, I'd like to put a lot of focus on having uh, the office train uh, law enforcement officers that are actually in the field. You've got to bring them up to date on uh, certain issues, uh, new changes in the law, uh, how to handle search and seizures, how to handle domestic violence, how to handle sexual assaults, how to handle violent crimes. Uh, there's always a variety of topics that come up. And, and one of the things in the smaller jurisdictions is the police departments tend to go through people on a fairly, you know, the, it's, sometimes it's hard to keep people. And so you've got to keep continual training going on to uh, keep the new, the new folks up to speed and to uh, serve as refreshers to the ones that have been around a while too. Culver estimated 70% of people who participate in the district's adult diversion program don't commit more offenses. And he said he wants both the adult and juvenile diversion programs to continue. That's a great benefit in a small town because prior convictions for jobs or anything else you do in life are simply a non-starter for a lot of employers. And the more we can do to help our community and our community members maybe get past a bad moment in their lives so that that bad moment in their lives doesn't become their lives, the better off we all are because it's about making the community better, making the community safer, and each individual citizen better. A statistic that we've heard a lot lately from prosecutors and judges is a 40% increase in felony filings statewide in less than a decade. I asked Furaker if the 16th district seems to have tracked that trend locally. I think our jurisdiction has followed that trend. I'm not 100% sure why. For years uh, in this jurisdiction, we would have you know, like one homicide every 18 months. Lately, there have been one or two a year. I don't know why we're having so much more violent crime. I, I, I don't have a feel for it, but I think. Uh, what you have to do is when you have a spike in violent crime, you know, you, the judicial districts have to, uh, and the DA's office have to react to it and take it seriously. So, you know, the people that might think about committing those crimes have to realize that it's really not worth it for the sentence that they might receive uh, should they go down that route. Culver said that because recent law changes have reduced penalties for drug possession, he believes it's important to focus the office's resources on crimes with more traditional perpetrator and victim harm. Probably we need to shift focus to crimes that affect people, like burglary, like property crimes, like thefts, taking advantage of parents or grandparents, stealing checkbooks, writing checks. We need to focus on those crimes that affect families and affect people in our community in a better way. Now that a lot of that, you know, low level, a lot of those low level drug offenses have come out of the felony courts, we need to then focus on the cases that make more of a difference in everyone's lives. So I, I think those two things are going to be a focus 
So that's that's the plan. We'll see how it works. And and of course, continue with diversion. Uh, so more outreach, more focus on crimes that affect the people in our community. When I talked to each candidate, they both said they respect the other and want to keep working for the office if they don't win the election. But even though they're not running nasty campaigns, they both said running against each other does make working in the office a little awkward at times. Culver said local law enforcement probably has some unease about not yet knowing who the next DA will be, since the top prosecutor makes decisions about the jurisdiction's cooperation with law enforcement, and the strength or distrust in that type of relationship is amplified in a small community. I think it's all magnified a little bit in a small community, you know, because there are very few agencies and, you know, the district attorney can do a lot of things. For instance, uh, a district attorney could decide that his staff wouldn't participate in investigations, wouldn't help with warrants, wouldn't do a lot of the things that this office traditionally has done. I don't think that'll happen, by the way, no matter who is the winner here, such as it is, I, I don't think that will happen. But those kinds of differences in a small office would be magnified. And I think the more we can do to assure the public that ethical, meaningful prosecution will continue no matter who ends up getting the job, the better off we all are. One area where the candidates did seem to have different views is the usefulness of data to track the representation of racial minorities in the criminal system. According to data in a Department of Public Safety report, Hispanic people are the 16th district's biggest racial minority group who made up 35% of adults in the jurisdiction in 2018. Fureker said he believes demographic data on defendants would be worth looking at. Collection of that type of data would have been mandated by a bill that died this year because of the state's budget shortfall. And I think any district attorney would be foolish not to look at data that's given to them to decide, you know, whether you know, how, how, whether that data means anything within the particular district. So, of course, you'd look at that. You know, there's always bias training that's given to DAs, and it's something that, you know, if elected, you know, I would want my staff to take advantage of. It's something that I think, you know, when you do trainings to uh, law enforcement that you need to bring that into trainings as well. Culver said he believes law enforcement's focus should be purely on the facts of each case and whether a person committed a crime regardless of their race. He pointed to the district's prosecution of the police officer Jim Bullock mentioned earlier. The officer-involved shooting that we had happened to be a white guy was the officer, happened to be a, a Hispanic person who was the victim. I don't know that it made any difference in the way we approach the case, meaning that we approached the case based on the facts and the law and applied it and went forward with the prosecution. It was not, it's not that those differences are irrelevant, but as far as the law applied to the facts, they should be. Although Jim Bullock said he's comfortable that either candidate is capable of doing the DA job well, he acknowledged the area likely doesn't have other lawyers to run for the spot. If you were to take those two out of the mix, I don't know that we would have anyone in our district who would be in a position and qualified to run for the office. So, you know, there's, I think we have like 26 members of our local bar association, and there are six lawyers in my office, including myself, and 
only the three, myself and the two that are running for office, have any real managerial experience. And Bullock said when his term officially ends in January, he'll probably ask the new DA to keep him on in the office. And I got to tell you, this is the best gig I've ever had. You know, I, I hate the fact that in four months I'm going to be, you know, out the door and looking for a different job. And, you know, whoever the, the victor is in the election, I'm probably going to come to him with my hat in my hand and, you know, ask him to, to keep me on. I'm fortunate in that I'm in a position where I can go somewhere else. I can, uh, like I said, I could return back to private practice or, you know, I'm actually in a position where I could probably retire if I wanted to. But at my age, you know, I still feel like I could work another 10 years and, and enjoy it. That concludes our elected justice series. I'd ask everyone to learn about who the district attorney candidates are where you live and the stances on criminal law issues they've made part of their platforms because prosecutors have a lot of power over people's lives and they can influence policies that affect everything from criminal penalties to civil rights. So even if the district attorney race is far down on your ballot, I encourage you not to skip over it this November. I'm Julia Cardi, and thanks for listening.